When I was a kid, I used to dream what it would be like to, to live somewhere far away from Hell's Kitchen. Somewhere beautiful. I realized that the city was a part of me, that it was in my blood. I would do anything to make it a better place. If he had an iron suit or a magic hammer, maybe that would explain why you keep getting your asses handed to you. Defenders to Defenders TV podcast, the home of the Netflix TV shows Daredevil, aka Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, all leading to the miniseries The Defenders. I'm one of your hosts, Derek, a lawyer by day, defender by night, possibly in a cage. And I'm Chris, uh, aka Jessica Jones, but only on the weekends because that's the way I roll. No Iron Fist this week, unfortunately. No, no unfortunately. <laughs> no Luke Cage. So we're not uh, we're not joined by John and Irene. It's just myself and Chris for this episode. Uh, this is episode 17 of Defenders TV Podcast, where we're talking about Daredevil, episode 12, The Ones We Leave Behind. Chris. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm thinking of, t- of changing our theme music from the theme of the show into the uh, the death march. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's kind of getting closer and closer to the point. Um, yeah. This Marvel's getting away of just going, yeah, well, you like this character, but mm-hmm. you're not going to get them anymore. Exactly. Yoink. It's, I, I kind of have the feeling that uh, that Douglas Petrie, when I see his name come up, I just feel like he's like George R. R. Martin or like Robert Kirkman. When you see their, their name appear on the titles of Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead, you know a character that you like is going to die. And I think Douglas Petrie's taking on that big concern that next season he's going to be the showrunner, so his name's going to be on every single credit. So. <laughs> Every episode, someone dies. Someone dies. Literally, it's just Daredevil and one person in Hell's Kitchen. That's how it's going to roll. Exactly. Um, So, as you weren't here last time, Chris, I like... And it was a pretty big episode. Yeah. Yeah, As you weren't here last time, I'd love to know your thoughts on episode 11, where we lost uh, James Wesley. Uh, Yeah. um, Okay, so episode 11, for me, really gave Karen her best material. Yeah. So probably since the first episode. Mm-hmm. I really think so. I was like, okay, I have to admit, I didn't know much about Deborah Ann Wolf mm-hmm. before. And um, since um, kind of we've started watching Daredevil, I've kind of got, I was like, okay, she maybe not completely, it's maybe just the character, it's not the actress. So I went off and I my missus actually does watch... Um, True Blood. True Blood. Right. And she loves the character and the actress and I was like okay okay so probably she's like she's the best thing about it mm-hmm. after, towards the end so I went off and I sat down and I did watch a couple of the episodes and yeah so this it really is I think it was less to do with Deborah and Wolf mm-hmm. and more that I think they're trying to build Karen the character up for season two right, right. and they, they basically downplayed her character mm-hmm. for a lot of this if we want to call it origin arc series, yeah. uh, first season, and I think that's where we're just gonna. So because the, the show, you can give her good material mm-hmm. if you put a focus light on her. But again, Daredevil has two main characters yeah. with huge spotlights who, in theory, could be protagonists themselves. Yeah. 
and a host of supporting characters and you just don't have time again we saw Claire for probably the first time in two episodes yeah yeah, yeah. and it was just like and again it was a brief and it was a bit ah moment yeah. as well yeah it was quite a, quite a big one and we did mention last time that uh, Rosario Dawson is returning for season two and is going to be involved in other Netflix shows so we will see the character of Claire Temple again but she very much said goodbye to Matt but she will be around in future to take care of his wounds in this episode so nice to see her return in that episode but uh, but yeah I loved her character and definitely want to see more yeah, and it, it hurt me because I thought that was going to be the perfect unison. Mm-hmm. But I was like, going to be that lovely will they, won't they for... And it probably will be. I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be mm-hmm. a will they, won't they. But then also the Deborah and Wolf Karen, when she was talking to Matt, I was like, and she strokes his hair. I was like, oh, they're starting this one. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so literally we just got rid of Claire. And mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, well, he's on to someone new. Another pretty well, pretty redhead in this case. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's a bit soon. Come on, Matt. Decorum. Um, but it was, it was good. I think they showed that when herself and Ben met on the pier, mm-hmm. that is a famous pier. A lot of mobsters go there. Yeah. <laughs> ben goes there. He's just like, it's his favorite hangout spot. Yeah, and as we said last time, lots of swans hanging around as well. Yeah, and a nice cameo. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think he... he, he he gave Karen what was coming to her. It was obviously quite sucky that she convinced him to um, go see Wilson Fisk's mother, mm-hmm. who actually is alive. And spoilers, in case you haven't, I'm not quite sure if you're, ha- if you're listening no. to this one and haven't listened to the other one. Ben, I'm sorry, but yes, she's alive. They, like I said, they really focused on Karen on this one. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously, there's another bit that I'm leaving out, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm segueing in. Okay. Um, <laughs> Do you really think this is the first time I've shot someone? Yes. Huge that moment. line. Huge moment. I was like, is she, is she just pretending? No, yeah. no. Click. Four in the chest. Yeah. I was like, what? I know. Oh. <laughs> I, I honestly, I I turned around to uh, my girlfriend when I was we were watching it, and she's now actually addicted to the show as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, although she hates that we have to keep stopping. Um <laughs> My fault again. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But she, I I was like, okay, blood packs. It was blanks in there mm. and he just wants her to think and they were going to hold it against her. It was some big, huge ploy. Yeah. No. He's he's not alive. No. 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 And it's... Poor Wesley. Yeah. And I thought, James Wesley. Yes. Yeah, which is completely who we didn't think it was. Uh-huh. But um, I honestly thought this was just a real big shame by the showrunners and... Um, and just the writers in general, because Ooh. he was perhaps one of the best car- villains, mm-hmm. aside from Fisk, that's been around since Loki. Mm-hmm. He could, in theory, have been the TV show's Loki. He, Because he, obviously Kingpin is too iconic to be that, but this was a character they could have molded, very much did a Tom Hiddleston on, and made him into something more. Yeah. Um, but no, <laughs> interesting. So yeah, he's not back. I was just, I was expecting him all the way through. Like he he would be a returning, a recurring character in probably all four of the Defender sh- shows and season two of Daredevil. Yeah, and it was like he he was the connection. He was the link. Yeah, and then no, he's gone. And I, I was like, oh okay, so maybe they're gonna make it Ben. Ah, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, we will, we will. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think it's a brilliant uh, decision by the showrunners. Personally, I think the idea that uh, this is kind of the Sean Bean character from Game of Thrones. 
a bit of spoilers for Game of Thrones, <laughs> but everybody knows this at this stage. Um, but yeah, to lose to lose such a big character and someone that everybody really, really liked. He has his own fan fan club, essentially. The, the actor, Toby Leonard Moore, has his own fan club called The S'mores, um, <laughs> who, uh, who uh, obviously love this character. Um, and I love him. I, th- I think he was absolutely brilliant. But to take him away the way they did shows that the show is playing on a different level to, say, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or any of the other Marvel TV shows yeah. or Marvel films. They brought people back from the dead in Marvel films in the past uh, quite a lot of them actually yeah. um, but I, it looks very clear that uh, James Wesley is not coming back from the dead he was pretty much a uh, blood soaked mess by the end of that episode no, I'm wondering now if we're going to get his twin suddenly comes back <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. like you heard about my brother mm-hmm. um, or he is a powered or special or something no mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't no think the, the they, this is too grounded in reality mm-hmm. um, obviously with some some special abilities here and there scattered in but it is too much of a show grounded in reality that we will not see these characters if you die in Daredevil or one of the Defender series you are dead yeah yeah absolutely well I'm glad I gave you the opportunity to talk about your thoughts of episode 11 sorry you couldn't join us uh, last week no worries it was crying to be fought had to be had had to miss it (laughs) we're going to go on to episode 12 Mm mm-hmm can you give me a synopsis yep. in case I did miss it, but I didn't, obviously. <laughs> All right, so Daredevil episode 12, The Ones We Leave Behind, was written by Doug Petrie, as I mentioned, and directed by Eros Lynn. Reeling from her murder of Wilson Fisk's right-hand man, James Wesley, Karen has difficulty sleeping. Has she killed before or will she kill again? She can't confide in Foggy or Matt because she's afraid of their reactions. Meanwhile, Vanessa recovers in hospital from the poisoning at the benefit, and Fisk commits to make those responsible pay. Leland Owsley and Madame Gao confirmed that they intended to take Vanessa out of the picture, but the death of Wesley creates a wrinkle in their plan. The masked vigilante begins his investigation into heroin distribution in, in Hell's Kitchen to try to push Fisk over the edge. Matt destroys Madame Gao's operation only to learn that she has abilities he wasn't expecting. Ben Oric begins to, his expose into Wilson Fisk but gets fired from the bulletin. Unfortunately, a former colleague turns on Ben, revealing his intended story to the unnerved Wilson Fisk, leading to a fatal confrontation. Excellent. Okay, so I'm going to kick this one off because this, Mm -hmm. for me, was one of, and we've been talking about this quite a while, so I'm going to start with one of my points, um, and we'll go to yours. Karen's joking about the hard stuff. Yes, absolutely. So, not only in in the last two episodes, we have, she's... I have killed mm-hmm. and she's joking about taking hard stuff yeah. and I'm like oh they are really either this is going to be perhaps one of the best turnarounds uh-huh. of a character in that they're leading us to believe that she's this dark dark past and actually she doesn't and she's just evolving into this mm-hmm. or they are hinting that that Karen Page's character is very much going to be the Karen Page character that we know from the comic books. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought she went a bit too easy to the drink. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that a couple of times in the series. When she's in the bar with Foggy, the, the local haunt, and the two of them are a bit too easy to sip down the, the, the whiskey yeah. and the straight vodka, etc. And then, obviously, when she then is sitting at her after the shower... After like yeah, like you said, reeling from this, mm-hmm. she just her hand autom- autopilot goes for that bottle of booze on yeah. the counter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, totally agree. I think that the reaction to for Karen 
always to a bad situation seems to now be to reach for reach for the bottle of whiskey. And I think there's some really good moments in this. And it actually is, I have the same point for my first point. So good catch there. Um, she really can't take the, the fact that she's murdered Wesley, whether she's killed someone in the past or not. Um, she reaches for the bottle of booze because that's the only crutch she has. She can't get in contact with Foggy. She can't get in contact with Matt. Um, she's trying to get in contact with Ben. And she said that she will speak to him the following day but then obviously the murder happens of Wesley so uh, James Wesley um, so there is definitely that lead in but some of the elements that are in there in the episode with her discussion with Foggy when she finally does catch up with him uh, and as you say he, he they specifically call out um, you know maybe I should be taking harder stuff than, than alcohol um, Foggy's telling her to cut back on the drink don't go for the weed essentially mm. uh, don't go for the heroin um, but yeah very interesting that there's that, that there's that kind of dynamic being built in here uh, famously in the comic books if you're a comic book reader Karen's character does turn to the harder stuff um, and unfortunately ends off being fatal for her mm. um, so this is definitely up to me that's definitely an illusion that this is a path that she's that she's going down she's definitely the same type of character as in the comic book I suppose is the way I'd, the way I'd see it uh, whether she goes down that path or not or whether they actually bring it into the show you're right we, we won't know until probably season two only one episode left this season it's very difficult to think that she <laughs> might descend into that path automatically but uh, but yeah I liked some of the elements in there with um, with you know, she can't turn to Foggy because of what he specifically says to her, which is, I'm going after Wilson Fisk. He can't go around killing people and then call himself human, which is, you know, a bit of a foot in the mouth moment when uh, Karen's probably going to reveal to him that she just yeah. murdered someone. Um, then with Matt, she tries to, to declare to him that she's done something wrong. Matt can clearly understand her heartbeat is getting faster. He understands that she's obviously done something wrong here, but she won't reveal it to him, just says that the world's fallen apart. Um, Matt's clearly concerned about her, but still, she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't confide in him. Yeah, no, and I think that was the writer of this show or this episode, I should say. Mm -hmm. He took a bit. There was that foot in the mouth part, where obviously don't do more drugs, yeah. uh, etc. And then straight away, obviously, Foggy saying all I've ever smoked was one joint. Yeah. And I was like, wow, really? <laughs> Come on, we saw the flashback to when they were in uni. Yeah. So it, again, that they um, this this kind of these episodes try and do the the mix between okay, we're going to give you some really hard stuff, and then we're going to throw in a little sprinkling of levity mm -hmm. into it because we don't want you getting too down and too deep and dark. Yeah, they're trying. Yeah, and it's just kind of like <laughs> we're going. Well, no, that yeah. just it didn't work. But after after losing James last week, and, uh, and now we're losing another character this episode, they're definitely not. It's definitely not working. <laughs> no, no, and I yeah, it, it was getting, it's getting interesting, and mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think it's what it's turning into is, they they're the the arc of Born Again, which was Karen's seminal piece in the comic books. Mm -hmm. I I think what they're going to do. I I I'm pretty much convinced now they yeah. are season two will continue her descent into darkness yeah. we will still see steel serpent which was named as the heroine mm -hmm. packet That's um right. of what the co the street name is steel serpent yeah obviously a, a huge nod to the iron fist uh brubacher kind of series mm -hmm. the immortal iron fist and obviously probably how we will be introduced yeah uh, but more on that later um but i think this is they, they've there's a lot of heroin in the streets. We know that now. Mm -hmm. She probably get her hand on it somehow. I think they're going to. That's how this story will go. This is. Do we see her go down the full 
uh, craziness in season two? I don't think so. Mm. I think it would just be this ongoing descent into, and she will be the character that you love to hate. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, and we also know that they're not afraid of killing off major characters, so uh, potentially there will be a, a bad moment for Karen as well in the future. Um, do you want to give us your second point, since I, my first point was quite similar to yours? Okay. Um, straight away on my second point, um, the the interaction between Ben and Matt, mm. uh, or well, the man in the mask, I should say, or, um, when he started talking a bit like a boxer in a ring, he yeah. was bobbing, I was like... Ah, well, hold on, you're, you're, you're kind of giving stuff away to this investigative journalist. Yeah. I was like, yeah, what, why, what? I, I straight away, in my head at that point, was going, okay, so now we've got Ben. Ben's going to fixate on him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find out his full true identity. And I was like, oh, that's season straight. That's the next episode. Obviously, we're wrong. Yep. But <laughs> yep. Um, um, yeah, I do like the fact that Ben calls out that, you know, he he says, uh, I sound like you're a boxer there when he says we went the full the full couple of rounds, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. Um, he instantly sees that Matt is, has been injured by somebody in, in a previous fight. At the minute he arrives, he goes, did someone take a chunk out of you? So he is definitely an investigator. And again, Matt calls it out very, very quickly. You're always a reporter, aren't you? You never switch it off, essentially. Um, but they have a nice little tete-a-tete there. I should have realized from that moment that we were not going to have Ben uh, from future episodes because Matt does call out to him, stop this investigation, you need to lay low, um, they're, they're on to you basically, you need to stop what you're doing uh, or else something bad's going to happen. Ben calls out to him that you need to get some armour again. <laughs> and I'm working says, on I'm it. I'm working on it, of course. Uh, but yeah, nice, a really good interaction between the two characters. I'm liking how they were using the two of them and unfortunately not going to see that again. Um, yeah, so uh, okay, we, we've 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 danced around this mm-hmm. quite a bit, yeah. and I say okay, we have to. Holy moly! <laughs> Whoa! Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. I know the murder of Ben Oric. Yes, um, I actually thought they. I, I again did not see this coming yeah. at all. Um, even when it happened, I was trying to think of how it didn't happen, and maybe yeah. they were going to spin it. I wanted to see Vondi Curtis Hall. Kind of that's how I saw well the the actor and the um and the character. I thought that was the bridge. Yeah, yeah. that was the bridge between the f- cinematic MCU, mm-hmm. the TV shows, and possibly the Spider Man character. Now that he's coming in in twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought this was perfect. This was the he was that character that could bridge it all. He was the guy that would be writing. He would do interviews with Tony Stark mm-hmm. and then sit down with Daredevil uh, over tea yeah. and then uh, kind of go against J.J. Jameson um, for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. He, and he was a good actor. He was a good character, oh, solid. The background of the character and why he did things and his motivation was huge. Yeah. Um, and that scene at the end when Fisk stamps on the frame of himself and his wife and shatters the glass. Absolutely. But I just went, oh. oh it's tough, isn't it? it was like, you've not just killed a man, you know, you're just literally shattering his jeans. Yeah, yeah. It's it's awful, isn't it? Um, and yeah, the reaction from Wilson, essentially because of Ben take, making it personal and bringing in his mother, essentially, that's the reason why he's being killed here. It's not that he's getting too close, it's essentially he would have warned him off for any other reason. But... He's involved Wilson Fisk's mother in this, and that's what he says to him. I didn't understand that bit. Really? So we never figured out fully mm-hmm. how Fisk 
knew it was him. Right, right. So yes, he was questioning his mother. Yeah. Um, and then he looked at the the call history in. Um, he looked at the call history in um, Wesley's phone. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't get the. Oh, that you missed the phone call. Yeah, the, there's a phone call that he takes when he's uh, when he's talking to Leland Bellsley. And he just he explains later on that phone call was from someone in the bulletin where, uh, yeah, that makes him okay. Okay, I literally blanked that moment. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> I did. I did notice that essentially they don't they don't say what it is. They don't say who's on the other end of the phone. But, but when he's speaking to Ben, he does reveal that he has uh, he he doesn't fall for the same pro- thing twice. So he set up someone in the bulletin to keep an eye on Ben, um, so that if any stories are put in, that they will be revealed to. Uh, to Wilson Fisk. The editor in chief, do you think? Potentially, potentially. What's sad is that I actually have a note in my actual notes from this episode. I have a note that says, um, "Is Ben Ark being fired from the Bulletin to go off and work on the blog that is going to be um, that is going to be the Bugle that we know in future films? The Bugle is going to be much more of a blog site rather than a newspaper. Is that what they're going to do? They're setting this up. He's being fired from the Bulletin to move on to the Bugle. You know." Nope, totally yeah. wrong. So I have to correct my notes by the yeah. end of the episode. Unfortunately, <laughs> I just literally started scratching things through. By this point, I was just like, "No, oh, <laughs> come on." Um, what did you think of the death of Ben? Yes. Um, what a choice! What a decision! Uh, again, you know, as I said earlier on, they're they're making bold decisions in this universe that are very different from what we see in the MCU. We see dead characters. We've seen Nick Fury die a couple of times now. We've seen Agent Coulson dead and come back and lead a series for three years. You know, um, th- this is a very different show, and they're making decisions based on what they think is right for the TV show, not what canon of comic books tend to tell them. Um, I think it's it plays in really well with Netflix's model. All these episodes released in one day. By the end of that day, you realize the show is completely different from the comic books. It's taking characters, it's taking uh, taking cues, but it's not going to take the full path of what's happened to those characters. So I think great choice, but I was in shock that we lost two big, uh, big characters two episodes in a row. Lost one on Wilson Fisk's side, one on um, on Matt Murdock's side. So potentially that will play play into next episode when they all realize. Uh, that they've lost Ben because of what they did and because of the investigations into into Wilson Fisk. But a brilliant moment and an excellent scene in the episode, definitely. That actually does quite um, explain for me, which was when this, uh, towards the middle of this episode, I was, this is the penultimate for the finale. I was mm-hmm. like, this doesn't feel like in every other episode, and I think this is a testament to Netflix's model, mm-hmm. every other penultimate episode for the finale in any other TV show on TV, mm-hmm. cable, you do get that build, massive build-up. Yeah. We only really got one of those massive build-up parts in that no, everything was still fractured yeah. at the end of the episode. Actually, probably fractured even more. Yeah. So it could be, yes, this is a device to bring them all back together in the beginning of episode 13. Mm-hmm. But that was a strange part for me, which is that they don't need to worry about okay well we need to hook you from like literally these two hours back to back you need to because you're going to potentially probably watch at that scene you were like straight away everyone I'd love to see the stats and see which shows people back to back on it because I think that will show you the end credits so probably you would see people on episode 12 and episode 13 back to back straight through 
definitely. Um, a few other episodes I now and I, again. I, I definitely feel from about episode nine, I think it was, where Nobu has the big fight. Yeah. Um, I think from that episode to the end, if we weren't podcasting, I would have just been sitting in front of my TV for those four episodes back to back to back to back because the revelations that are going on are incredible and I want to see what happens in the end. We've only got one more episode to go. Yeah, yeah no, completely. And I think that's, yeah, that's what we need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your one of your second point? All right, my next point is actually about Wilson and Wilson and Vanessa when when Vanessa wakes up in the hospital. Oh, oh, oh she is setting herself up as the proper uh, support for Wilson Fisk here. He tells her to leave the country because he wants to take care of her, wants to uh, I suppose wants to protect her from everything that's going on. She confirms that she knows everything that's going on in Wilson Fisk's life. She knew it was going to be complicated as she says and refuses to leave the country. Um, to which Wilson responds that he will find the people that did this and make them suffer. And we get, I think, a, an amazing moment from Vanessa, which is just one line, and she says, I would expect nothing less from you. She knows exactly who Wilson Fisk is. She's been waiting for a person like this in her life from the moment that she uh, she met him. Um, and now she is on his side and going to be supportive of him and supportive of what he's trying to do in the city, no matter who it hurts, no matter uh, whether it means people are going to be killed. The fact that she agrees with him and wants him to make people suffer means that she is also turning into a villain. We'd speculated last time that the loss of Wesley is going to be a huge impact to Wilson Fisk, and would that mean that Vanessa will become his new right-hand man or right-hand woman? I think she's confirmed that in this episode. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. Um, I really thought Vanessa's character was going to be a bit part mm-hmm. uh, throughout this kind of show. Um, but it really is. Aside from the complete DC connection where she plays Superman's mum, right. I was like, that was a bit part, but she yeah. she played it well. This, um, I thought it was just going to be kind of, she was just there to be his, she dies, he flips out. Yeah. That's, that was the whole arc of her story. Right. And now you're right. We see she is the full mob wife, yep. not in the stereotypical sense where the mob wife go gets her hair done. Like we saw a lot of Sopranos. Yeah. She is the right-hand woman. She knows, she'll know the business as much as Wesley probably will. Absolutely. And will continue on. And I think in season two, this was where it will get quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping we get the her origin. Yeah. How or why she became so... Um, she became as devious or as twisted as Fisk. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know that backstory, and hopefully we will. Yeah, and she has mentioned in the past that she does have things in her past that she doesn't want to share with anybody else. So she has said it. You're right. She, she, that, that is a good setup. So hopefully we'll get more of that in, in season two. I'm presuming that Vanessa's going to survive. Now I don't know with these episodes. No, no. She, may, she may not be with us at the end, the end of the series. Um, but I do think, I, I think they, they will make her this femme fatale, mm-hmm. the ultimate femme fatale. Yeah. She looks good in a dress, but she is in theory kind of guiding Wilson. Mm-hmm. She is the power behind his big fists. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> behind every every man is a stronger woman, yeah. as they say. Uh, Chris, do you want to give us your next point? Okay, uh, I'm going to... Well, first, before we get to Madame Gao, mm-hmm. the infiltration scene where oh, Matt yeah. goes in, oh, yeah. I was expecting a lot more. All right. Yeah, it, it was good. Mm-hmm. 
Like, just, we knew he was at some point going to get there. Right. Like, there was too much involved with the blinding of the people, um, which we thought, and it is confirmed that no, actually, Madame Gao doesn't blind them. They willingly blind themselves. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, there's a whole more subtext there. But just, I was expecting when he did the the parkour scene where he is running from rooftop to rooftop, Mm -hmm. that was brilliant. Absolutely. And I thought that was great. It showed him, like, how he traverses the city. Yeah. And um, seeing Charlie Cox doing some of his own stunts, I assume. It really did look like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was fantastic. But what got to me was when he came back to this warehouse, mm-hmm. we didn't see a lot of the action. Yeah, It was all off in the darkness, yeah. similar to the scene in the garage with the Russians. That's right, yeah. Um, so I was a little underwhelmed. Okay. I was expecting this all-out kind of... Um, Shadow play where he does actually just randomly grab people, but we still get to see it, right? right. And to see or possibly a, a large fight. It culminates in the Madame Gao fight scene, mm-hmm. which <laughs> I know everyone's going to want to talk about. Yep. But yeah, it, it it just felt it could have been a bit more exciting. The right. knock scene where he knocks, he obviously the guard is there and he's waiting. And then he, obviously Matt knows now what, because you see that cheeky smile on his face mm-hmm. when he hears the first knock, the code to get in. Yeah. Um, he uses that same code. But yeah, it just felt a bit lackluster. Right, right. Um, I have to say the tension in the scene for me was just added to it. They, they have filmed um, fight scenes in so many different ways throughout the show that I'm, I don't know, I'm not really expecting to have that same reaction to every fight scene because they've been phenomenal the whole the whole season so far. Um, but I think this particular episode, what they did really well with the this infiltration of the heroin uh, heroin warehouse essentially um, was the te- was ra- was just ratcheting up the tension as he walks behind all of the all of the blind people that are in the room. He's so silent that none of the people that are there working on the manufacturing plant for the for the heroin none of them can see him so my tension while watching that was one of them's going to just turn around and just touch him by mistake or a stick's going to hit him or someone's going to find out what's going to happen and it turns out Madame Gao's there and sees him and all of them turn on him instantly did you hear Matt essentially call out to all of them saying I'm here to save you but these people aren't victims these people turn on him and grab him so that he can be captured essentially which I thought was a great scene and very different it almost felt like I don't know a scene of the zombies from Walking Dead turning on um, turning on one of the one of our heroes essentially that's what it felt like and how it was filmed for me I I actually thought it was going to be um, a scene similar to Kill Bill right where you had the one person with an army of People running at them, all kind of. Con- that's what I thought. I thought was leading up to right. that all these blind people were similar to Matt mm-hmm. and Stick, and were the blind uh, kung fu masters. Right, right. And that's what I was expecting. I was like, oh my god, this is going to get. And like, I was expecting like this massive kind of fighting, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah. I know it, it just it left. I think. We were too spoiled for choice. Yes, uh, with this series, like every fight scene—not every fight scene, but a majority of these fight scenes were choreographed so well mm-hmm. and filmed so well and uniquely that I was expecting this, uh, this culmination really cool. of some uh, something with cause it had all the right parts and yep. it did. It, 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 but if it filled them on different levels, it brought the story forward more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was just a bit. Oh. 
Okay. Now, okay. we've still got one more episode. Yep. And I think that's where we'll see some of these... <gasps> Wow, <laughs> fight scenes. I think there might be quite a big fight scene coming up in the next episode. Uh, feeling there might be a showdown between Fisk and, and Matt. Hopefully Matt's up to, uh, Matt's not cut apart and hopefully he's healed himself a bit more by uh, by the time he goes up against Wilson Fisk. So you talked about Madame Gao. Um, I think we need to talk about it here. So this is my next point. Okay. But I think it, it feeds directly from the scene you're talking about. Firstly, hang on. This woman has powers. Yes. By the look of it, she looks like she's used her own iron fist on uh, on Daredevil. That's what it feels like. She uh, she hits him once and he flies across the room. That's quite a quite a significant moment for Gail. Didn't expect it at all. Um, I knew she was there was something special about her. I knew there was something different about her and why everybody respects her so much. Didn't really expect that to be uh, to be such a significant moment or, or to be super powered essentially. Um, secondly, you did mention it a little bit, but I wanted to pull out the the individual lines. So. Um, so essentially, Matt thinks that she has blinded people to work for her. Uh, she responds saying, no, no, they've blinded themselves because they have faith in something beyond the distractions of your world. Very significant line there. Uh, the second one I just wanted to call out as well is with Lila Nailsley and Madame Gao when they speak. Uh, she says she's leaving to go to her homeland to think on everything that's happened and that Lila Nailsley won't see her again and says it's considerably farther than China. So, the big question now, after this episode, is who is Madame Gao? Will we see her again in the series? Personally, I don't think so. I think this is a big setup for Iron Fist. What do you think? I can't agree anymore. No. Um, that that slap, yeah. it, was, it, it was a palm fist. Yeah. And actually, I, I actually had to kind of rewind slightly... On Matt's chest, you see a white imprint. That's right. From her her hand, and I was like, "Oh!" Yeah. Which was fantastic. The the piece where she's speaking to uh, Leela Nelsley, mm-hmm. who, by the way, in that scene, is in his green coat. Oh right, that's right. So he actually Melvin has created his green coat for him, and he's now wearing it. Yeah, Mr. the owl himself. Um, but yeah, that part where she says that she is. Um, She's considerably further away than um, than China. Yes, we're we're back to Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. It, it just has to be at this point. So she wasn't kidding when she said, "I speak all the languages." Exactly. Yeah. She is. Do Do we want to kind of suggest our guesses? Yeah, I think we've mentioned uh, mentioned who we think she is in the past. But yeah. I think this kind of confirms it for us. Yes. So th- I think this does. Crane Mother. Mm-hmm. The um, she appeared in the early issues of the um, the Immortal Iron Fist mm-hmm. series by Ed Brubaker yeah. um, and Matt Fraction, and uh, coincidentally for um, some of our listeners, uh, Brubaker actually wrote the uh, Winter Soldier mm-hmm. um, arc for Captain America, That's similar right. to the Winter Soldier film. Um, but I think this confirms this is she palm fisted. Uh, <laughs> Matt across a room. Uh-huh. She's from further away from China. She speaks all the languages. She is the Grain Mother, yeah. which is a opposing. Would you call it an opposing city um, or opposing martial arts? Um, she works for the uh, the Steel Serpent yeah. clan, and um, Davos, who is similar to, is the protagonist or antagonist mm-hmm. I said the antagonist for the Iron Fist series yeah yeah. I think this was the okay we're going to introduce some Kung Fu magic this is all again yeah I don't 
agree with you that she won't be back for season two. Right. I think they'll introduce either Danny Rand mm-hmm. or more of this kind of... Because don't forget, we've still got more and more episodes to kind of lead or sorry, series. So they still have to introduce uh, Luke Cage, mm-hmm. Jessica Jones yeah. and, and Iron Fist. Yeah. We have seen from leaked set photos that Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are seen in together. Yeah. So uh, I think they originally said this was for Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I actually think this is probably more um, aka Jessica Jones yeah. series. Yeah. So that's how they introduced Luke. Yeah. But we haven't heard how Danny's going to be in it. That's right. So I think possibly season two we'll get a bit of Rand Corporation mm-hmm. um, and probably some kind of introduction to the Seven Holy Cities which is the whole mythical background that is the Iron Fist and mm-hmm. his series. Yeah, it's really interesting that, you know, obviously the original schedule, when we started out the podcast, actually the original schedule was going to be Daredevil, followed by AKA Jessica Jones, followed by Luke Cage, followed by Iron Fist, and then a mini series that brought the four characters together. The announcement of a second series is quite interesting there because that was never in the plan originally that there was going to be a second series of Daredevil. So it makes things a little more interesting. We'd always thought it was just four shows back to back to back to back, followed by one mini series bringing them all together. So um, I would say the original intention might have been that Madame Gao would walk away at the end of this scene, and then you see her in the first episode of maybe Luke Cage or an episode of Jessica Jones or. She could have come back in Iron Fist, but I think you might be right. I think she they're going to kind of have to bring her back for for uh, Daredevil Season 2 because she's such an important character now in this show. Yeah, and I think, the, yeah, exactly. She is, aside from Fisk, she is the other seminal villain. Mm-hmm. So you can't really have a seminal villain just walk out of the picture. Yeah. yeah Obviously, yeah. she says she's going back home. How they can do this? Like, cutscenes, Fisk talking to Madame Gao yeah. again. She's maybe controlling or helping him plan some nefarious plot in mm-hmm. season two. Um, but yeah, I don't think they can get rid of her as easy as they As you're right, as they probably were. I'm walking away and now I'll see you in Luke Cage or Iron Fist. Yeah, just, now it's not. It's Yeah, just one thing I want to pull out of that scene, which I absolutely love Leland Elsley's reaction to when she tries to do what you usually see in kung fu films. She's talking to him, gives him some, as he calls it, fortune cookie bullshit, and then starts to walk out of the scene. And he, his response to her is, "Hey, hold on a second, where are you going?" You know, <laughs> which you'd normally just the scene would cut. That would be it would go to a black a, a black screen, screen or move on to the next uh, the next scene. But I like little Nelsie's reaction to it. It's like, "Hold on, you're not getting out of here with just talking your mumbo jumbo. Give me, tell me exactly what you're doing." Hold on a second, you know. That was a good little moment. Um, and I, I think. The bit we're kind of glossing over is Liam Nowsley and Madame Glau were the poisoners. That's right, yeah. yeah. They, they really... So, again, this has set up that Owsley is willing to do whatever and with whomever as long as there's money mm-hmm. and he thinks it's the right thing. So, Madame Glau, as much as she says she was training and moulding Fisk, no, 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 she, she, she wants power. Yeah. Yep. Or her organization wants power. Though, in, well, that can be misinterpreted because she was. She said she wasn't doing it for the heroin or the money. Mm-hmm. Um, she was doing it for something greater. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that does set up. Yeah, and they do specifically say that they were trying to poison Vanessa to take Vanessa out of 
out of Wilson Fisk's life to get him back to what he used to be, essentially, which is a, which is an interesting idea. And to go back to my previous point, um, Wilson Fisk has said he's going to make those people pay and suffer for it. So maybe we won't get Madame Gao uh, being uh, helping Wilson Fisk in future if he True, finds out actually. if he finds out what's happened. Of course, that's the that's the important part. Uh, and I'd be a bit worried if I was uh, Leland Elsley if uh, if Wilson Fisk find, finds out about what's happened. Um, so I think that's probably the same point yep, for both of us. No, that's Gaia. definitely. So I'm going to have to ask you, what's your next point? Uh, there's just a little moment that I thought was really interesting in the episode, which is Matt's breakdown with Karen. So I suppose he thought he was going into the into the heroin distribution plant to help the the blind workers of Madame Gao. He he thought that he was going there to free people similar to himself who have been made slaves by Madame Gao. And when he realizes they're all they're all doing this for um you know for a, a bigger cause or the greater good, as as Madame Gao may have said, um. He breaks down completely. He doesn't really know where to go next. He doesn't know what the next step for him is. And he breaks down with Karen and essentially says, I need help. I can't do this alone. He's no longer the alone vigilante. He needs Karen. He needs a team around him because he just can't do anything. He he says it was the worst night of his life seeing the bottom of humanity. Um, a huge moment, I think, for, for Matt, Matt's character in this episode. And a huge change for, the I suppose, what, what's his guiding principle. He thinks that he's there to protect people but those people didn't want to be protected, so I thought it was an interesting moment. Yeah, I think it, that was a great... It was also additionally a point from previous episode where um, we see Claire Temple, mm-hmm. and she goes, do you remember what I remember from Sunday school? Yeah. And she was talking about the martyrs. That's right. And I never said I was either of those. Yeah. This is the... I think these episodes are the, the pivotal change in Matt's psyche, mm-hmm. in that he originally was... I'm the man the city needs, very yeah. Batman-esque, yeah. Uh, DC-esque, I should say. I think now this is turning to, he goes, okay, I'm not just a lone vigilante. Mm-hmm. And again, this I'm we're reading a lot into it because we do know there is these, now know there's a second season, but as you said, there wasn't originally, and there is three other shows and a miniseries. Yeah. So this was very much for me how they were going to thread in the, the, the heroes for hire, how the defenders would join because yeah. they... Matt will go forward and tell them, like, you can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. You need, we need to be friends. We're a super team of defenders. Yeah. Um, but again, it's probably less that, more we're getting the how uh, during the day Matt will use Karen and Foggy mm-hmm. to defend the righteous. And then at night, he will use Daredevil, his suit, and now Foggy probably covering his tracks and yeah. a thing to defend the, or take vengeance on the wrong. Yeah. Um, but you're right. This is this was the point where he, this it was almost like that flip switch in his head, mm-hmm. kind of saying, "Okay, now actually I do need help." Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if he's going to become the leader of the defenders and the person that gets all all four of them together to. I suppose to help the city of of Hell's Kitchen now that he knows knows that he needs help. Maybe this is our first indication that he's uh, that he's open to joining up with other people that will help the city. So yeah, good. One. I've just got one final point in the episode. Chris, have you got any other ones to talk about? No, nothing for me. We've kind of spoken across points uh, yeah. for this episode. But go good on. stuff. Um, it was actually in the killing of Ben York. Uh, again, a fantastic scene. It's just about Wilson Fisk's. Uh, reaction on how he how he describes the world today essentially um he says he's sorry to ben because he thought he was no longer relevant um his 
re- his reality of what he sees in the world and how how humans now per- perceive things and look at things. He thinks that as a mob boss now, you get away with it so much easier because people are too busy looking at their phones, watching celebrity weddings, watching videos of cats on the internet, as he says, which I think is really, really interesting that this is why Wilson Fisk thinks this is the right time to take over the city of New York because he can travel under the radar now. Nobody reads newspapers anymore. Nobody nobody watches the big stories that are going on in their local community anymore. They're too busy watching what's going on in celebrity life and too busy what's going on with what's going on with YouTube videos, essentially. Uh, I think that's a really interesting facet of Wilson Fisk's character and something very different to what you'd expect from him. Uh, this is how he feels this is the right time for him to take over the city because people are just ignoring it. This... I'm, I'm, okay, I'm not going to be argumentative, oh, but this, this this felt forced to me. Okay, this felt like they needed a parapet, right, for him to stand on to uh, eloquently say he basically hates the world as it is today. Mm-hmm. This it just felt slightly off, right, from what he had pr- pr- the way he previously speaks about the city needs him and he needs to fix the city and it's right. been so. Why is he talking about celebrity and Kardashians, etc., etc.? It was just you're making the leap. It's a yeah. I was just, okay. okay, internet, Kardashians, cats yeah. is pretty much the, that is the three things of the internet. Uh, Kardashian and cats. Yeah. Um, it just felt it's it like it felt slightly forced to me. All right, right. Um, I, I again, it was an amazing speech, and it was the writing was superb and mm-hmm. the delivery. But he was just really there to say that you went to see my mother. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. So they could have done that quite shorter way in right. terms of yeah, understanding the the significance in that why he said, so this is why I can take over the city and no one is. But he could have just said the papers are dead yep. rather than going on about the internet and why oh, people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, again, not to be argumentative, no, but no, I think no, maybe not. because the reason why it resonated to me is because this is exactly my feeling. I think that if we're going to get another Hitler in this world, it's going to be because people don't read the newspapers, people don't investigate things anymore. People just ignore what's going on and do things on the internet. Hey, I'm a podcaster, I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's probably probably once again a moment for Wilson Fist that resonated with me and I kind of go, okay, I can kind of see your motivation here. You know, I can kind of see your reality here. People are ignoring what's going on in their real lives because they're stuck on the internet and stuck on their phones all the time. Um, so I don't know, maybe that was probably... Maybe Maybe that was it. Maybe that's why it had a different reaction for me than you. Oh, well, it could have been actually. I am the guy who's stuck on my phone all the time or on the <laughs> internet. So it could have been like, no, hey, no, no, screw you, Mister Fisk. I'm not like that. Um, but yeah, no. Okay, I, I, I can see your point as well. It, I don't know. It just felt slightly for me forced mm-hmm. for the character because he isn't as contemporary as we like to think. Right. He he has some old sensibilities. Yeah. He isn't. Old gentle giant, well, a gentle giant that, that crushes kills, people. crushes people, and <laughs> stops their breath with his bare hands. Yeah, he does specifically call out to, to Ben that the world has changed since they were young. So yeah. calling out the fact that he is a lot older than we probably think he is. Um, well, it was the seventies, wasn't it? He was so he was like he was seven. He was like ten, thirteen, fourteen when yeah. his father. When he murdered his father, so that was in the seventies. Yeah, it's probably about fifty now. I think. Yeah, so yeah. we're probably close to that if the timeline is as we think it is, similar yeah. in the MCU. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that that was. I, I don't know. I it was a great scene. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking it away from you. Yep. Uh, and it was more for me. It was just a. 
bridge over into the the, the fantastic moment. Right, right. Uh, holy moly moment. <laughs> awful, awful. Poor, poor Ben. Poor Ben. Um, I've just got one final note about the episode. So not a, not a point, just one final note. Just about the sound design, which I don't really talk about much. I've talk, we talked about the music in the past. Hmm. It's just the sound design in the scene where Matt is chasing down the blind girl who got gets into the limo. Um, I love how they point out that he's chasing the music by having the music playing all the way through the city as he's traveling over the rooftops. It's fantastically well put together. Um, whoever decided on that for the episode, whether it was Eurus Lin who directed the episode or whether it was something in the something particularly written into the script, fantastic. All props to you. That was a, a great moment to just, again, show the abilities of Matt by using some, some an audio cue. Yeah, he, he, oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Especially just that they, they heightened the original bit with the clack of the her stick, yeah, and then literally at the last minute he twists because you hear a louder clack or whatever sound I can't pronounce it or vocalize it myself. Just as he's she is about to bump into him, mm-hmm. it gets a bit too close, and he suddenly just twists his body, yeah, similar to what he does later on in the warehouse, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, and it faded, yeah. um, as he was chasing the car across and it got closer. So, it actually, when you could see when he was standing on top waiting for the car to come down that little alleyway, mm-hmm. the sound got slightly louder, mm-hmm. which was fantastic, yeah. yeah. Um, again, just one really bit that annoyed me as he runs after mm-hmm. she gets in the car, yeah. he throws his stick away, his cane away again. I know, but I love the little touch of the garbage guy or the the, uh, the rubbish man arriving to take those bins away. Which yeah. That was quite funny. <laughs> He's just like, so that's why, just randomly, there's these yeah. canes lying all over. Must, no, no, no. Someone he, picks them up. Absolutely. He must have about 60 canes if he throws them away that easily. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, okay. Again, this is why he needs to turn them into the billy clubs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He does have his holder for them now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Chris, if that's all the points on this episode, do you defend Daredevil episode twelve? I do. Yeah, no, I have to. I have to agree. Uh, what? What would if I had to give it some uh, bloody eyes or blind eyes, mm-hmm. similar to our uh, lovely Iron Fist, who is missing with us, unfortunately? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say four point five bloody eyes, right? Or right. missing eyes? Right. Um, no, it was. It was good. It was great. It wasn't the penultimate episode we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. It was the perfect penultimate episode for this series. Right, right. So this series has completely m- changed the way we are used to seeing Marvel shows. Mm-hmm. In that they're TV formatted, that they, they are, they're they're serial, they're episodic. This is not. This yeah. is the Netflix model working fantastically in the MCU, which is. This is expected. This is your two-hour finale. Mm-hmm. Proper two hours back to back. You just need to let it roll into the next episode. Yeah, yeah. and that was that's the build-up. Um, so yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, completely defend this episode. It was fantastic, but just a small bit. And Derek, do you defend this episode? Yes, I do. This is fantastic. And just coming on the back of the shock death of James Wesley last week, the even more shocking death of Ben Oric. James Wesley wasn't a big character in the comic books. Ben Oric is a huge character in the comic book universe. To know that he's gone now and he can't be used again in the MCU, they can't name another character that until they reboot the entire universe, basically. Um, he doesn't have any kids. There's no Ben Oric Jr. You know, I'm... I'm uh, I'm in shock, I think, still by this episode. Fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the last episode. The one thing this show has absolutely done so well is kept me on the edge of my seat 
every time going into the next episode and made me want to watch what they do with Jessica Jones, what they do with Luke Cage, what they do with Iron Fist. Um, This episode particularly is a standout for me. Fantastic. And now a bit of revelation about Madame Gao as well in this episode. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Completely. A standout episode. So thanks very much for joining us for this review podcast of uh, episode 12 of Daredevil. Uh, make sure you send us in your feedback, your last chance to get some feedback on uh, on our review episode of Daredevil. Uh, you can email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and listen to all of our episodes by going to DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes. It will help other people that are watching the show at different times to find our episodes. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at DefendersCast. And send us some feedback on there, just like Reynaldo, uh, who sent us some feedback this week. So Chris, do you want to read us Reynaldo's feedback? Sure. Um, ahoy, just discovered your podcast listening to review of episode 9 of DD. Absolutely brilliant. Your discussions on character are gold. DD is my fave hero and so happy and proud he's depicted well on screen. Finally, we'll keep listening. Please keep it up. Thanks, JJ. Ronaldo. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, he goes on to say, JJ Cage, that fist, and then Defenders should be freaking awesome. Uh, one of the things with DD is setting the feel of the show. The main theme is subtle and not grandiose, which suits the show well. I got the theme from iTunes the other day. Have you listened to it closely? Mm-hmm. So cool. Heartbeats turn to palpitation as the beat of the tune builds up to... The build-up is similar to Game of Thrones and Penny Dreadful, both successful soundtracks. Hope the rest of the Defenders show maintain this going forward. It's a small thing, but so important, as it's the introduction to every show, every episode. Thank you, uh, Ronaldo. This was, yes, have to say, well, first of all, thank you for your feedback, mm-hmm. and hopefully you will keep listening and keep writing back to us. Um, the part on the actual theme, we discussed this pretty much probably at the very first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's but as he said, is now it be, since we've recorded, it's come out on iTunes, and I too I kind of downloaded and listened to it. It actually is there. There's a lot more there to that theme than I originally thought. Just listening it to it's a cut version on the uh, on the intro itself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think obviously I edit a lot of the episodes of the show, and I've uh, I've been very close to this uh, to this particular theme because of some of the edit- editing that I've done. You've probably noticed in our opening intro for the episodes, um, I have laced in some of the uh, some of the um, dialogue from the show, and I love the heartbeat at the end of the uh, of the score for the uh, for the theme, um, because it allows me to put a little bit of Matt Murdock beforehand and afterwards, and, the, and have that heartbeat being so. Uh, so elemental to the to the score is is fantastic. I really really like the theme. And uh, yeah, thanks Ronaldo so much for your feedback. Uh, interesting that you jumped on in episode nine of the uh, of the podcast. That's great. So hopefully when you go back and listen to the other uh, the other episodes, you'll enjoy them just as much. Yeah, and listen to us can either get some things completely right or completely wrong. Yes. Looking back, the way we filmed this or recorded this has just meant that we're like, oh my god, this is going to go on. And no. The next yeah. episode completely flips and we're like, ah. Oh. I know. How many times did we say that Ben Urk is going to be in season two or three I, of the I, movies? I, I'm not, I'm, not <laughs> I, I'm, I'm afraid to actually go back and listen. <laughs> so again, thank you very much for joining. Uh, just myself and Chris this week, Irene and John will, be, will return for our review of the final episode of Daredevil, episode 13 called Daredevil. Yeah, so really looking forward to that. Again, send in your feedback to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com and we'll read it out in the next episode. Also let us know what you want us to cover during our break between 
Daredevil Season 1 and AKA Jessica Jones. We're hopefully going to be covering some comic books and we'll be doing a full review of all 13 episodes in one episode as well. So That's going to be quite sore in the voice. You can trust us on that. <laughs> so thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. Cheers, guys. If we don't get a chance to talk, you take care of yourself. so much for listening cheerio thanks everybody bye